Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, Thursday edition of the nightcap, Thursday Night Football will follow us. So stay tuned throughout the night. If you're driving around, if you're at work, maybe you're working out, keep us on, keep us tuned in. Got a lot of Bills talk on the way, little Sabres uh, as well, and an a sneaky, interesting matchup tonight on Thursday Night Football. Jody Biazzi here on the nightcap. 803-0550 is the phone number to join me tonight. Jaguars and Dolphins, 820 kickoff tonight. 8 o'clock coverage starts here on WGR. And it's a good one. I like it. I'm interested. These are not two teams that probably anybody expects to push for a playoff spot. Although... Keep an eye on Miami. They played the Bills close last week. They lost to the Patriots in week one. They've played two of their hardest games already. And we'll see what they end up being because that roster is improved and they kind of proved it last week, pushing the Bills, making Josh Allen really beat them is what they did. So Dolphins and Jaguars about an hour away. Two of the, the swaggiest quarterbacks in the league, Ryan Fitzpatrick and his beard, Against Gardner Minshew and his mustache. Gotta go beard over the mustache. Fitz made the point earlier this week when asked about Minshew's mustache. The mustache is for those with the patchy sides. Those who grow mustaches can't grow beards, essentially, is what Fitzpatrick was leading into. And as someone that can grow a beard, I'm not going to dispute it. I, I could never see myself having a mustache. Like, for real. As a joke, maybe. Like, for one or two nights. If, like, I don't know. You got a big hockey game, beer league hockey game going on. Everybody wants to wear mustaches. Or something for Halloween. Like, I could see doing that. But doing it full time? No. But it's kind of the persona of Gardner Minshew. And I love Gardner Minshew. He is fun. He is... Crazy off the field, 
He's good on the field. And I don't really see an end in sight for this guy. He has been good. He's been accurate. He is mobile. He pa- The numbers are good. He passes my eye test. Now, he doesn't have the strongest arm in the world to make all the throws. And that might limit him to having a ceiling similar to that of Derek Carr. That Andy Dalton. Like one of those middle-tier quarterbacks in the league. But... He's got that swagger and that confidence that Fitz does. And the reason I think he might be better than Fitz is I kind of like his physical tools, roughly the same, but Fitz could get careless with the football. A lot of interceptions. And Minshew does not really turn the ball over. So if you gave me Ryan Fitzpatrick for his career without turnovers, that's a pretty good quarterback. Now, maybe he could be better than that. I don't know how high his ceiling is. I don't think it's good enough to where the Jaguars build around him. But he's curious. Because we don't really know. We don't know how good yet. And this season is kind of his trial. There is nobody there to be benched. For him to be benched for. Jake Luton, a 6th round rookie, is the backup. Mike Glennon is also there. And that's it. And he's not getting benched for one of those two. So the Jaguars might be tanking. But at the same time they're tanking, they might be trying to figure out what they've got in Minshew and whether he's good enough for them to not draft a quarterback next season. And I just can't imagine that's going to happen. Because one thing that's starting to happen in the league that that I'm noticing is there are all of these guys who are starting caliber quarterbacks. That didn't get jobs this past offseason. Jameis Winston is a starting caliber quarterback. Is he a great one? No. 30 interceptions last season. But the guy threw for 5,000 plus yards. He threw for 30 touchdowns. In the right circumstances, if you could reel that in a little bit, it's a pretty good quarterback. Jameis Winston should have a starting job in the league. Or at least he could. Andy Dalton is capable of that. 10 years ago, I feel like Andy Dalton gets a job. A pretty good quarterback for a long time. He his old his other his old team is rebuilding. So and they have a position to draft a number one overall pick quarterback. Dalton leaves. Generally, that guy gets a gig. But Dalton settled for a backup job. Winston settled for a backup job. Mariota had a case to be a starting quarterback in the league. Mariota settled for a backup job. Hey, it took Teddy Bridgewater, who was a first round pick. Who had done fairly well in Minnesota, had a terrible injury, got back healthy, and it took him three years to find a starting job. And the team that gave him a starting job is kind of rebuilding. Like, they're starting over. And the commitment to him was not that of a franchise quarterback. It seemed to be more of a placeholder. So, these quarterbacks that are coming into the league... Where What's the team that's just got a glaring need? Jacksonville was on that list with Gardner Minshew. But if Minshew's good, how many other teams are there? The Jets are probably going to be picking at the top of the draft with a new coach, I, and assuming Adam Gase gets fired, with a new coach, I could see that being one. Who's got the most volatility at quarterback? 
Because you look around the league, and most teams have got their guy. The Bills have their guy, their guy now. It's great that we don't have to have this conversation anymore. Well, at least at this point. If Allen just doesn't fall on his face the rest of the, the, rest of the season, and there's nothing to say that's going to happen. The Bills know who their quarterback is. And we don't have to discuss whether they should draft one. The Patriots maybe could be this if Cam Newton left him for agency. Maybe New England is this. Long-term volatility at quarterback. New England. Maybe at the top. The Jets. Maybe at the top. The Dolphins are not on that list because of Tua. Obviously the Chiefs, no. The Raiders. The Raiders are good for this. Because if they get a top 10 pick and they're 2-0 and and they look pretty good, so maybe that they won't even be near that. But... They could totally move up to draft a quarterback. Trey Lance is one of the other quarterbacks, I believe. Um, And there's another one as well. The Draft Network had three quarterbacks in their 2021 rankings inside of the top ten. Trevor Lawrence was their number one prospect. Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback, is their number four. Trey Lance, North Dakota State, is their number six. You've got three quarterbacks in the top ten. So at least early on... It looks like it's going to be a pretty darn good class, but are there three teams to pick those guys? New England, maybe. The Raiders, maybe. The Jets, maybe. That's three, but those are all maybes. I mentioned the Jaguars. I don't think Minshew has the season in him to prevent Jacksonville from drafting a first-round quarterback if they're anywhere near the top. And even though he looks really good, and they are overachieving so far through two games... They pick one, right? They got to pick one. The Bengals are not picking one. The Steelers, the Browns, those guys, those two teams are maybes. You don't have a lot of definitives, though. You got like, yeah, Pittsburgh could do it. Cleveland, if Mayfield keeps, you know, falling on his face, they could do it. But how many others? With the Colts? Rivers is there for a year. They drafted Jacob Eason in the third round last year. They might feel like they've got something there that they could just, you know, let's test that out and see how that is before we pick a guy. The Washington could move off of Haskins. I couldn't see the Giants moving off of Jones this early. The Eagles have Wentz and J- Jalen Hurts. So if they move off Wentz, they already got the guy that they're moving to. And I might be done. I might be done. Carolina. If Carolina gets the top pick, they're picking Trevor Lawrence. Clemson guy, Carolinas, like that that makes sense. But Jacksonville is one of these handful of teams. I think maybe, what did I end up there with, like seven, eight teams that, yeah, they could pick a guy in the top ten if they get the opportunity. Minshew would have to do what? Would 3,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, get it done, winning seven games? Because that might be within his range of outcomes. But this is such an interesting team. And it's such an interesting quarterback. And I'm kind of happy that they're on a Thursday night game. I've never said that before. I always hate when the Jaguars are on Thursday night. It's always them and the Titans. And it's 9-6 to six in the fourth quarter. And they're just running the football at each other. And they're punting on the 35 of, the, like, on, of their opponent. And it's just, it's just gross. But... Fitz versus Minshew. I like it. So there's a little preview of tonight's game. So looking forward to that. Fitzpatrick, by the way, before I move off the game completely. Looked up a stat on him today. There's so many good Ryan Fitzpatrick stats. There are so many good Ryan Fitzpatrick stats. You can write a book on it. 
He is top 10 in quarterback wins for five different teams. For If you don't include the Houston Oilers in with the Tennessee Titans, and really I guess you should, but just in Tennessee Titans history, he's ninth. In Bengals history, he's ninth. In Jets history, he's eighth. In Bills history, he's seventh. And in Texans history, he is sixth. So Fitzpatrick has got <laughs> wins all over the place. He's not in the top five for anybody, spreading it out too much. But, man, that guy. So many fun stats. I hope he keeps going. He is climbing that all-time passer list. Past Steve Young last week. Uh, I believe Phil Sims is next up. Could happen today. In fact, I think he only needs like 100 yards. So, Phil Sims, look out. Here comes Ryan Fitzpatrick on the all-time passing list. Bills versus Rams this Sunday. Looking forward to pregame coverage. Me and Nate are going to get full speed ahead into the game uh, starting at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. We'll be in for Jeremy. And I am very pumped for this game, as I think most Bills fans are. It's not saying much. Because Josh Allen is exiting the is-he-good conversation and entering the, okay, how much are we paying this guy? He's got one foot out the door of the is he good conversation. But if he does, he really does need this game. He needs this game or he needs, you know, a string of two of the next three looking something like the last two for it not to become, oh, well, of course he did that. It was the Jets and the Dolphins. That Jets and Dolphins game, games that he had, the production, the passing, all of it. It really will mean nothing if it's not backed up with great performances against good teams. There will always be a next step with Josh Allen. There will be. He went from, all right, can this guy not just flame out? Can he be an NFL quarterback? Because there was some doubt about that going into the NFL draft, whether he could even play in the league. He's confirmed that. There was doubt about whether he'd ever be able to be accurate on those short and intermediate passes. He checked that one off the list. What was the next step? Oh, well, now the deep ball is a train wreck. Got to fix the deep ball. It's only two games, but check on that. So far, so good. There's always a next step. What's next after completing the deep ball? Fumbles? Because he's fumbling the ball a lot still. Even last week, he only had a couple of rushing attempts. Maybe if you count the one that got blown dead early, I think actually it would have counted as a rush. He was past the line of scrimmage. Two carries, two or three carries, and he had a fumble. You can't have a fumble one every three carries. That's not going to work. So maybe that's the next one. But that's a, that's a minor part of his game. The more major next step is, all right, you're doing it all now. You're doing it all in spurts. But when you play a great defense, are you still going to be able to do that? Because there's some thought for me that I don't know if I trust Allen yet against the elite defenses. And that's okay. Because there are very good quarterbacks in this league that just have trouble against the top defenses in football. There are very few that you could trust going in when you're playing San Francisco's defense or they're playing New England's defense or they're playing the Bills' defense. That you can trust them to still light it up. 
I have trusted Patrick Mahomes, regardless of matchup, is going to play great. I have confidence that Lamar Jackson, regardless of matchup, is going to play great, as do I with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. And it's a big leap, but maybe the next leap for Josh Allen is you've got everything going for you. The team around you, the types of passes you're completing, the type of offense that you're playing in. Now, can you continue to play as consistent as you're capable of when you go against top defenses? And I'm not sure, I don't think the Rams are that. They're definitely an improvement to me over Miami and the Jets. But, are they... Are they at the same time those other defenses I mentioned? No. But I need to see what he looks like when he plays the greats. Because at some point, I think I think we know, this Bills team will can make the playoffs with Josh Allen as their quarterback. Wasn't that always what we talked about? Is this guy good enough to make the playoffs with? That's been answered. We already know. Josh Allen is a quarterback good enough to make the playoffs with. Which puts him in the same type of company at minimum. Like, his baseline, to me at this point, because of that, is Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr. These are quarterbacks where if the team around them is really good, they're in the postseason. They're going to get you there. Even if they're not necessarily driving the bus. They might be a little bit of a passenger. But that's that's Allen's baseline. It's hard to figure out what that next step might be. Because he does just keep knocking them off. But I do think that next one is not just being the passenger. And to not just be the passenger, you have got to really show up against those great defenses. You've got to show up against those great teams. You have got to match the play of great quarterbacks on the other side. And he's played one playoff game. And I'm not going to crush him for it because it was his first playoff game, second year. He had been struggling with the deep ball all season, so he didn't really have that facet of his game. He got severely outplayed by Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson lifted his team up against a better roster and won the game. And Allen's proven now he can do that against Miami. But if the Bills meet Houston again, and the rest of the team isn't playing up to snuff, is Allen good enough to lift them up? There's more confidence in me now that that is true. But this is why these next couple games will be huge tests. I still don't really consider the Raiders a huge test. I, I could be proven wrong on them. I just, something about that team. Something about it. What are they great at? That, that's really where I, I fall away from the Raiders are good all of a sudden. What are the Raiders great at? Are they great at running the ball? I mean, Josh Jacobs is very good. But... They're not this dominant run-heavy team. They're they're not a prolific passing offense. Derek Carr is only okay. And, I mean, Henry Ruggs might become a great receiver, but he's a rookie. Brian Edwards is a rookie, too. Again, rookies. Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar. The defense, it's fine. Like, what, what are the Raiders great at? I don't consider that a huge test. But the Rams look pretty darn good early. The Chiefs are coming up. In New England a couple weeks after that. Those are the three biggest tests. Allen last year against strong opponents. 
the first New England game, week four. 13 for 28, 153, and three picks. Not good enough. Last year, they didn't really play any a lot of elite teams. The Ravens, 17 for 39, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Not good enough. Last year against the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Against Duck Hodges. You got lucky that the other quarterback was Duck Hodges. 13 for 25, 139 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Not good enough. The one game you could argue he played really well in against a strong opponent on the road in New England on prime time. 13 for 26, 208 yards passing, two touchdowns, no picks, 43 yards on the ground. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not great, but decent. Those slate of games right there. That those are the games that he needs to get the take the biggest jump in. And I am again more confident than ever that he will. But we got a couple games coming up that'll really put it to the test. Rams, Chiefs, Patriots, Seahawks, 49ers, Steelers, Patriots. There's seven games on the schedule. And if Allen can play anywhere near like he's played in the first two games against those seven opponents, then (laughs) playoffs. I mean, the Bills are legit AFC contenders to come out of the conference if he does that. And that is the next big step for Josh Allen. 803-0550 is the phone number. If you got a different next step, something you'd like to see him improve, or where you think he needs to go from here, maybe you're satisfied. Maybe you think, ah, I'm good. This is fine. This is Josh Allen now? I'm good. Also, a word on Devin Singletary, who might be the Bills featured back on Sunday because of an injury to Zach Moss. We'll wait and see on that. And the state of the Bills' rushing attack, even though it's not as prominent as it once was. Quick word on that. And then a little bit on the Sabres. Curtis Lazar is back today. Will re-sign today with the team. A two-year extension. And suddenly... The Sabres, who had gone into the offseason with no centers on the roster, really, other than Jack Eichel, now have three-fourths of their center position made up, and they might even have all of it, depending on some of their options at third-line center. So we'll a little bit on the Sabres at center uh, before we get out of here as well. Thursday Night Football, Dolphins and Jaguars. Kickoff is just under an hour away. Our coverage starts in just about a half hour. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Do I wonder what it's like to be in that room? No, I don't necessarily. I feel like I have my own issues, but you know, at the same time, you know, he's like you said, he's handled it at a at a high level. You know, um, like I said, I can imagine being in the producing years, you know, being a group of men in his third season, you know, all the naysayers out there. But he's locked in, man. Every day he comes to work, he's the same guy. He's nice to everybody. He's a good person off the field. So you know, it's just I'm happy to see him playing well, and you know, I'm happy to say that he is the leader of our team. That is Bill Safety, Jordan Poyer, Joe DiBiase back here on the Nightcap. About a half hour to go until Thursday Night Football coverage gets rolling here on WGR. I believe we got college football on on the TV in here. We do. UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, and South Alabama. 
All right, first quarter, just getting rolling on ESPN. I will not be watching that, though, tonight. Uh, there's much too uh, many sports happening. We've got Thursday Night Football. We've got my Denver Nuggets in the NBA. Game three, game four against the Los Angeles Lakers. Nuggets, man. They were um, Anthony Davis with a buzzer beater three in game two as time expired. Down one. If that doesn't fall, the Nuggets are up 2-1. And they're still only down 2 They're down 2-1. They would have been up 2-1. Um, so that's an interesting series. One, because they're my team. They've always been my team. I think I've explained that before here, right? Carmelo Anthony. Big fan of him in college. He went to the Nuggets. I decided to become a Nuggets fan because of that. Didn't like the way he left, so I stuck with the team instead of the guy. Here I am. Rooting for them. Jokic. Nikola Jokic. Um, I'll have two screens going tonight. Garage TV setup. It's warm enough out, I believe. When I came in here, the last time I was outside, it was warm enough. So I, I've become like the this 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 cult leader of garage TVs on social media. Bulldog made fun of me for being an old person because apparently that is something that the the senior community does uh, and has garage garage TVs. What's what's the problem here? I don't have a problem. It's just, you know, I want to be outside. I want to be watching the game, but I also want to be under a roof. It's a perfect setup. It's making a comeback. The Garage TV is making a comeback. I'm going to lead the way on that if I have to. So I have two TVs going in the garage tonight. 803-0550 is the phone number. Just went through a little bit of a Josh Allen checklist uh, so far in his Bills career, his NFL career. Be an NFL quarterback. Don't flame out. Check. Short, intermediate accuracy. Check. Good enough quarterback to make the playoffs. Check. Hey, throw for 300 yards. Throw for 400 yards. Check. Deep ball accuracy. I'm going to put that check in pencil. We're through two games. But so far, check. Stay consistent against top teams. That's the next one. And you know what? Like there are some that are tweeting and texting. Like just be happy with the Bills quarterback. I can be happy with the Bills quarterback. I am happy with the Bills quarterback. This is the most fun that we've had with a Bills quarterback that I've ever had with a Bills quarterback. I loved Tyrod Taylor, and I would still tell you that. I was maybe the most positive on Tyrod Taylor. I would still tell you this is the most fun we've ever had with a Bills quarterback in my lifetime. The drought, mostly. But there's always a next step. There's always a next step until you are hosting the you are hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Because until then, never be satisfied, right? Wasn't that what teams would tell you? So why should fans settle? You shouldn't. As the level of play goes up, so does the expectation. That's why, like, it's a team-oriented goal. Last year, making the playoffs was considered a success. This year, getting in as a road wild card and losing in the first round, I would not consider that a success. I definitely wouldn't. And last year, what was success for Josh Allen? Improving, right? Getting better... As a passer, we knew he was a great runner. Get better as a passer. 
Done. So this year, if he's the same as he was last year, would that have been considered improvement, a success? Because I don't think fans would have said that. At least most of them wouldn't. And now this year, he's playing great. But there's always got to be the next step. And the next one is definitely against top opponents because Allen did not play well against playoff teams last season. This is more, more specifically top half of the league defenses. And this year, while the first two weeks have been prolific, I mean, he ran over, symbolically ran over, threw over, really is what I should say, the, J- the Jets and the Dolphins. He should do that. Now, next man up. Next opponent up. Let's see it. Let's see it against the Rams. Let's see it against the Chiefs. Let's see it against the Patriots. That's next. Um, Devin Singletary, I wanted to mention here. Because as Allen has progressed, and as the Bills' offense has evolved into a modern-day NFL offense, thank God it finally came. After all this time, they're playing like a team that plays in 2020. While that has happened, suddenly the ground game has become less relevant. They did draft a running back in Zach Moss. They drafted a running back last year in Devin Singletary. How many, and this is more almost a fantasy point. This is why I was all, I was just out on Bill's running backs this year in fantasy. Because there was always going to be some level of commitment to throw the football. And I think we all knew deep down that there was going to be a little bit more than there was last season when you spent a first-round pick on Stephon Diggs. Now, I wouldn't have told you that it would have been this much more to where the Bills, adjusted for game script, are leading the NFL in volume of passing and really efficiency of passing. They're leading like in everything in passing. Stephon Diggs is tied for first in the NFL with Calvin Ridley for receiving yards. Allen's leading the league in passing yards. John Brown's playing great. Expected yards per drop back, they're leading the league. Like, everything they're leading. That didn't expect that much progress. And part of that's opponent-driven. But as that's happened, it's become so much less important what the Bills are at running back. And what they are in the ground game. Because guess what? This is where the guy calls in and says, late December games, you're going to need to run the clock. You're going to need to play tough physical football. No thanks. You're not going to win that way. Go look at the other teams in the league, how they're winning. When it gets late in the season, they're throwing the ball just as much as they always have been. That's how they're winning. And of course, there will be cold weather games where you might have to run it a little bit more. But... The Bills have set themselves up nicely, where they are now a system on offense. And to me, for the most part, other than like wide receiver is different. Wide receiver is, to me, so much more important than the running back position in today's game. Because running back, the replaceability level is so high that if you told me that this Sunday Devin Singletary and Zach Moss were not playing, I would not think of the Bills any less. For this Sunday's game. If you told me TJ Eldon starting instead of Devin Singletary. I, I think Devin Singletary is about a running back. But I would not think any less of their chances. That's where we are as a league at the position. But that's also where the Bills are as an offense. Where the running back has become more of a role player. Even the starter. Is it more of a minor role player? And that is where you want to be. Because... 
that also leads you to never pay that position big money. And I've gone back and forth with my brother Lou on this a lot on the air here. Running backs, their value, how much to pay them. I like the way that the Bills are going because I can't imagine that Devin Singletary and or Zach Moss, the way that they've built up the offense, would ever get a major payday. And if you look at the star running backs in the league that have gotten major paydays, how often has it worked? Maybe once. Ezekiel Elliott is great. Phenomenal. That's worked for Dallas. But also notice, they didn't really... Well, last year they got... Never mind. The rookie season, he was great when they were ground attack. They started throwing the ball more, and they're still very good. So I, I would tell you, Elliott is not as good as maybe his star power is, but he's one of the best running backs in football. Maybe the best running back in football. But David Johnson got paid by the Cardinals. If a, if a dumb Bill O'Brien doesn't decide to give you the best receiver in football for him, the Cardinals would have been stuck. The Jets gave Le'Veon Bell a monster contract at running back. They already are like done with that, aren't they? And it never got off the ground. Did it ever work? It's been only a year and a half, but gotta regret that signing. The Rams signed Todd Gurley a couple of years ago when he was one of the star running backs in football. That lasted all about two years before they decided, man, we can't pay a running back this much. We've got to sign Aaron Donald. We've got to sign... Robert Woods. We've got to sign Jalen Ramsey. Like We've got guys to pay. We can't be paying a running back. So they literally gave Todd Gurley $20 million to not pay play for them this season so that they could be rid of that contract in the future. When does that work? When does it work? Paying a running back like that. And sure, there are guys that got paid this offseason like Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry and Delvin Cook. Christian McCaffrey, where, you know what, one or two of those guys, there's a good chance that their teams won't regret it. But recent history tells you that the majority of those teams that are dishing out big contracts to running backs are going to regret it. And they'll regret it soon. A couple of years. And the good news for me is this Bills offense is not reliant on a star running back like it has been in the past. They are reliant on their quarterback being great and their wide receivers getting open. And that is exactly where you want to be. Hallelujah. The Bills have made it in 2020 as an offense. One other thing Bills related I wanted to talk about before because I'm going to talk some Sabres in the last segment. There was an article written at ESPN Today that if I have it right, and we pulled the story to make sure, It was a poll of NFL analytics staffers around the NFL. ESPN's Seth Walder did this survey. He surveyed analytics staffers in the NFL. And the Bills, you know what, like, respect, I totally respect the way the Bills have built up their team and how they operate strategy-wise, but I wouldn't have guessed they would have been big players in analytics. But, and maybe they're not, but according to this survey of league staffers, the Bills, when when those staffers were asked, which NFL analytics teams produces the highest level of work? The Bills received the fourth most votes in the entire league. And then, 
Which teams are among the top five most analytically advanced? Analytically advanced. The Bills finished fourth. Only the Eagles, Browns, and Ravens finished ahead of them. And the Bills were fourth. To me, maybe, and maybe we'll never know, but I wonder how much of this Bills process that we all talk about is actually that. It actually is, hey, game management, like we are using analytics. We're using odds. We're looking at recent history to tell us what's most likely, what's going to help us the most. That was another part of that survey, by the way. Which area of the game is most affected by analytics across the league? Game management finished first. So these staffers believe that most teams are using it for game management. When to call timeouts, um, when to go for it on fourth down, when to kick a field goal, when to punt. Coaching and opponent scouting came in second on that. College personnel evaluation came in third. Performance, strength, and conditioning came in fourth. So game management most likely is the the biggest thing there. Um, But good on the Bills if that's true. Great on the Bills if that's true. If they are using analytics more than almost every team in the league, like this is saying, then, man, I liked the process before. I love the process now, if that's true. 8030550 is the phone number. It's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Last call after this on WGR. Last call on the nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. We are getting into Thursday night football. Dolphins, Jaguars in just a matter of moments. Kickoff is in about 25 minutes, 8.20. Kickoff in, I'm not really sure I know where the game is. I'm not really sure it matters. It's not much of a home field advantage these days. It's in Jacksonville. Is that pool open? Can't really social distance in a pool, so I'm going to guess no. Um, I guess you can. What's the difference? No, the water. You don't want to do that. I don't I don't know. Anyways. The Sabres made a signing today. They signed Curtis Lazar back to their team for two more years. And I know you're saying, Joe, who cares about Curtis Lazar? It's Curtis Lazar. It's whatever. But it's significant in that, hey, like, Three weeks ago, going into the offseason and up till last week, the Sabres had no centers other than Jack Eichel. None. Johan Larson's a free agent, an unrestricted free agent. Marcus Johansson's not even really a center. He's a winger. You had a guy that I've been screaming for to play center that doesn't. Sam Reinhardt's a free agent, an RFA. You've got, who else? Casey Middlestat needs a contract. He's a restricted free agent. Like, there just wasn't a lot there. There was nothing there. Who was going to play center? And now, suddenly, the Sabres have three-fourths of their make their position filled out. Jack Eichel is going to be the first-line center. Eric Stahl is going to be the second-line center. And I would guess that Curtis Lazar is going to be the fourth-line center. So suddenly, the center position picture just got a lot more clear. And what I'm hoping happens is that, well, we'll see. What I hope happens is Dylan Cousins is so good that they need to put him down the middle at third-line center, and that's your third-line center. 
And how does that sound? Eichel, Stahl, Cousins, and Lazar? I can get down with that as a center group in the league. It's not prolific, but it's, it's to me, an improvement if Cousins is uh, ready to go as a rookie. I still want to sign Johan Larson, though. But I wonder if Lazar signing points you to any type of endgame there. I, I don't think... I don't I don't know the logic why Larson would sign here. And I know usually that is the type of thinking we reserve for more high profile free agents, but I wonder what it depends what Johan Larson's motivations are because if they can't offer him a lot of money, like not even a lot, 3 million bucks, whatever is a tad above what others are offering. If the Sabres can't offer that because of a possible internal cap, I know a lot of teams are doing it, but if they have one, then suddenly it becomes about landing spot and it becomes about where you're living and it becomes about the team. And Johan Larson, like some of these other players, but Larson has been with the Sabres for seven years. He's been, this is the darkest decade in Sabre history, and Larson's been here for most of it. And I would defend him and say that I don't think almost any of it's his fault. The role that he plays as a bottom six center, he plays great. He doesn't fill the stat sheet, but he has a positive influence on the Sabres whenever he's on the ice. He has the puck. He's a good defender, good at faceoffs. He doesn't do a lot with the puck when he has it, but he's got it. But if I'm Larson, I'm going to Pittsburgh. I'm going to I'm going to the the Avalanche. I'm going to the Stars. I'm going to Tampa. I'm going somewhere I could win. Because I'm if I'm Larson and I'm 28 years old and I'm not a star player, I might be thinking, I don't know how many years I got left in this league. I might have four or five tops. And I want to win. So I want Larson to come back here, but I'm not even sure it'll be up to the Sabres. So we'll see. All right, got to go. We've got Thursday Night Football coming up next, so stay tuned. Dolphins and Jaguars, kickoff starts in 20 minutes. Coverage starts next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 